Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Therapy For Me. And I don't know how it's going to go. It could be a bit of a kind of a bleh this week. Um, And if you wonder if I can do that again, I can. It might be a bit of a bleh this week. Because I've kind of got an idea of the things I want to talk about. But because of the week I'm having and because of how I'm kind of generally feeling, which is a bit of a, a, a kind of a malaise, a bit of a February malaise, that everything's a bit kind of meh, really. Everything's merging together and it's not quite distinct and it's not punchy. I'm just a little bit annoyed or frustrated or grumpy or just everything together being meh, really. Um, so you're going to get what you're going to get, but the one thing I can tell you is it's going to be kind of a long, drony kind of thing, I think. I don't know how much positivity there'll be, but let, let's crack on and see how we get on. And I, I suppose a bit of that twangy guitar is a good place to start. <laughs> Just a little aside before we start, uh, and I'm going to start talking about sci-fi of all things, but before we start, a little aside. I can do this. When I do TFM, I very rarely re-record a section. Uh, I very rarely do anything other than hit record, and what I capture on that first pass is invariably what goes out, unless there's a cough or something which I might edit out or I might you know, I might re-record again, but essentially I very rarely touch what I, what I record and it's, and it's first pass. Um, now that doesn't make, it's not some kind of amazing trick I've got. And there's, I know there's lots of ums, ers and bits and pieces in there. And certainly when I get on a roll, I can be quite verbose, but the fact is that I do this and I, I don't want it to be something that feels edited or, or what have you. Okay, so if I can do this, why can't I do exactly the same thing on video? Because today I've been trying to do a little promo video for an event that the MIA are doing in a few weeks' time, and I needed to record what was 30 seconds worth of audio with me looking into a camera. And I didn't want to do that thing that you see in a lot of YouTube clips where it's like five seconds and then there's that slight judder where there's been a cut and so on and so forth. I wanted to do it, it all the way through. I did two different ones of these, and in both cases, I probably recorded 30 takes before I got a take of 25, 30 seconds that I could go with. And yet I can, completely without a script, I can actually do this and do six, seven, eight, nine minutes off pat, which makes no sense. Anyway, let's get back to sci-fi. That was just something that popped into my head as we go in, and it's going to be one of those weeks this week. I could distract myself all the way through, but... What I'm going to say about Safi is, if you read the notes last week, um, you'll have realised that I was in the process of, of, of signing up to Paramount for a, um, for a month or two because I'd hit that tipping point of three episodes of something that I wanted to watch. And as soon as I get to three, not episodes, three different shows I want to watch, and as soon as I get to three, I tend to go, right, I'm going to have to do it now because there's three things I want to watch. And of the three things that I want to watch on Paramount, Frasier was one. Uh, which we watched. And do you know what? Really, really enjoyed, actually. Yes, it's nothing like as good as the original. And when you, when Frasier new series finishes and you go back to the pilot of the original and start watching the first few shows from series one, then you realise that magic is not going to happen again because that was a piece of serendipity and a piece of magic. But Frasier 
it was fine. There were some nice things in it. I enjoyed it. I don't necessarily think that Nicholas Linders is the best thing in it, as a lot of people said. I think he's good. I don't think he's the best thing in it. Um, but was it perfectly watchable? Were there two or three nice episodes? Yes, there absolutely were. And do you know what? Star of the show? Um, the chap who plays his son, Freddie. Absolutely brilliant. Thought his timing and his touch... Uh, and everything about it was was absolutely superb, and he's he's one of those comic actors that's absolutely got it. Anyway, that was Frasier, uh, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and watch Rabbit Hole, which was the thing that I I part watched on the plane. But I'm watching uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, which is the prequel. It's kind of the the backstory, the pre-Kirk backstory, and I like a bit of sci-fi. I've always liked a bit of sci-fi. I don't need any um, any excuse to watch a bit of sci-fi, but I don't watch lots of it. I'm not one of these people that watches every single offshoot. So I remember Star Trek when I was a kid. I never really got into any of the others, and there was never really a Next Generation fan or any of the other stuff. I've never really engaged with Star Trek. Um, I quite liked um, the, the J.J. Abrahams reboot films. thought they were quite nice. Um, but didn't really... I've not engaged with, with any of the other offshoots, and I know there are plenty of them. Um, but I'd read how good Strange New Worlds was, and I've given it a go, and I've watched it, and it's probably no different to any of the other Star Trek offshoots. But do you know what? Two or three of the episodes... I'm about six episodes in, and two or three of the episodes have reminded me of of the best of sci-fi. And the best of sci-fi is when you forget it's sci-fi, and it just becomes human drama. And I've talked in the past about the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, which I just thought was a great political drama that just happened to be set in space. And do you know what? There's exactly the same thing going on with uh, with Strange New Worlds. There's been two episodes, particularly one that was light, one that wasn't, that was quite deep and serious, both of which I just thought were excellent drama. One, one sort of comedy drama, one drama drama. And I'm not saying it's for everybody. There's plenty of other things that will, will hit all and tick all the same boxes. But when this is done well, it's effortless. And there's bits about this that are effortless. And I like that. <laughs> Tuesday. You might not know who Laura Trott is, um, and you could be forgiven for not knowing who Laura Trott is. Uh, she's the Chief uh, Secretary to the Treasury, and um, she tends to do the interview round occasionally, and when she does, she tends to make a bit of a hash of it. Um, she's another one of these conservative politicians that is very good with some of the, the, the rhetoric, but not very good when you get into the details. So she can pipe the lines quite nicely, but when you actually challenge her on the details, she seems to struggle just a little bit. And so was the case this week when she got into debate with Evan Davis uh, about national debt. And this is all down to the fact that we are talking about, or there's going to be a lot of conversation in the next month, about whether there will be tax cuts in the uh, the budget in March. And I can't see how there aren't going to be, because I don't understand what the March budget is, is all about if it's not a political budget. And I don't understand what it's there to achieve if it's not there to do something with personal taxation. Because in reality... Um, because I work for a trade association and I interact with a lot of other trade associations and trade associations uh, are the kind of groups that actually will go to the Treasury and say what they'd like to see or will do a pre-budget kind of statement um, 
or a pre-budget lobby, then the one thing is that we know the Treasury isn't asking business for anything at the moment because nobody thinks this is going to be a commercial budget, this is going to be a consumer political budget. So we've got all that going on. There's loads to talk about tax cuts, yada, yada, yada. He, She was on talking uh, and was asked a very simple question, which is if the government has said that it won't cut taxes um, while debt is rising then uh, why are they considering cutting taxes? Because the OBR forecast for the next five years shows debt continuing to rise up until 28, 29 or 29, 30, whichever the, the, the years uh, are. And then even when we get to the point where it starts to fall, it's got to come a long way down before it gets below where we are today, if that makes sense. So we're currently at you know, 89% of GDP for national debt, and it's going to rise as high as 92.5%, 93%. But at the point when it starts falling, it'll be another few years before it falls below the level we are today. So it's going to take a while to then get back below the 89%, if that makes sense. And she she disagreed. She She was not over the figures. Now, whether she had a different set of figures, I'm not quite sure. But the fact of the matter is, the OBR is effectively the government appointed um, body to to give us the official figures you know as you know as approved by the government of the day because essentially it is a government appointed or it's a, it, it's it's government uh, at a long arm's reach to a certain extent so it's it's worth listening to this particular clip but she she didn't she didn't know she she absolutely didn't know and i think this is this is fascinating to where we are because there's so much is going to be placed on... Uh, I mean, look, realistically, uh, and this is part of the issue about Labour, and we'll come back and talk about Labour in a little while, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Starmer accuses the government of crashing the economy and, economy and maxing out the credit card, and part of that will be if tax cuts are made at a point when debt is rising, then all we're going to do is fuel that debt rise even further. And yet you have somebody from the Treasury, the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, no less, saying that, it, that actually black is white and that debt is actually falling when it isn't. Wednesday. We went to the theatre, went to the Lyceum Theatre in Sheffield uh, tonight. And um, by the way, I know it's funny because sometimes I reference the day as if it's the day and sometimes I don't. And I don't even know when I'm doing it myself. So you're just going to have to live with it. But you've, you've worked it out by now, so it's absolutely fine. So I've said tonight when clearly I'm recording on Friday, but don't don't worry about it. We'll end up on Friday at the end. Um, if, if if that makes sense. So we went to theatre tonight, went to Lyceum Theatre in Sheffield, which is a lovely, lovely theatre, and we went to see the touring production of Drop the Dead Donkey, which is a new instalment of Drop the Dead Donkey. It's called The Reawakening, and it's written 30 years after after the end of the original storyline. So at the point when, um, you know, Globalink News ceased to be, then we are now talking about 30 years hence. We're not talking about one of these things where they take the best scripts and they and they dramatise them, often with a new cast, because what we were talking about with Drop the Dead Donkey is actually the original cast, or as many of the original casters uh, were available, well, alive, basically, to do it. So um, do you know what? It was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it was a strong cast then, and they're still a strong cast now, uh, particularly um, Stephen Tompkinson and Neil Pearson, who were both uh, very, very good. 
Um, and it was just a nice, enjoyable evening. And actually, Andy Hamilton, one of the writers, was in the audience a couple of rows ahead of where we were, which was nice as well. Uh, and I got the impression that it was being rewritten as they toured. I got the impression there were certain points and certain jokes and certain references that could not have been in the script that will have been rehearsed because it's been it's been something that's been on, going to be on the road for a while, has been on the road for a while, and some of this stuff was in the last couple of weeks. So true to the original, um, the scripts were evolving on a day-by-day basis, which I thought was I thought was absolutely, absolutely great. But what it led me to, to think was, um, and this is a question that I'm going to proffer out there, and this is terrible for such a music fan, but I wonder if I actually prefer a night at the theatre to a gig. And I've spent a bit of time thinking about it because it's the first time we've been for a while. Um, and we've always been very big theatre goers. And I think I actually do prefer a night at the theatre to a gig, if I'm being honest. Uh, that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy a gig. It doesn't mean I'm not desperately looking forward to seeing Jason Isbell in November. But it means... Given the choice, uh, if I was planning out evenings over the course of a year, I would probably plan out five or six theatre evenings ahead of five or six gigs. Now, that might be because I've got to the stage where I just don't enjoy standing up a gig anymore. Might be that. Um, But there's just something about, I just find magical and enthralling about a night at the theatre. Now, it's not that I've lost the music thing. Uh, I mean, funny enough, I, I stumbled on the last dinner party this week that um, came up and I'd heard about in passing, but happened to put on and was absolutely mesmerised by that album. So that if, if you've not heard the last dinner party album, give it a listen. It's absolutely fantastic. Thoroughly like that. And I'm certainly loving consuming music, but somehow, given the choice, gig or theatre, I'm going to go theatre. <laughs> I'm disappointed that Labour has decided to change the way it's talking about its green policy, which obviously we're talking about a U-turn here, but um, I don't know whether the term U-turn is correct in this particular instance or not, um, specifically when you haven't started something. But I, I take the point, and I'd be the first person that have and, and, and have been critical of the government when it's changed things, particularly around things like HS2. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say that it's a different argument for Labour than it is for the Conservatives because I'm more uh, in line with 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 what Labour are doing than what the the Tories are doing. What I will say about this, and where I think this is hugely disappointing for us as an electorate, is the fact that this to me just seems like a, a political calculation. And it seems to me that they've said something out loud a couple of years ago, which I I thought was a great set of policies. And I'm very, very like the idea of some form of green power that's nationally owned. I really like that that idea. Uh, and some of the stuff that's in the the... 28 billion green pledge or whatever it was called is sensible stuff that I think will still be done. I mean, we shouldn't be ha- we shouldn't be having a political argument about whether we should or shouldn't insulate homes. I mean, that, that, that's just that's just, to me that's a you know back in the days of consensus politics, everybody would have been doing that. I don't know why you know and 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 to play political football with the climate, particularly with some of the news that's come out this week, all seems odd as well. So certainly from Labour perspective, the timing's awful. Um, but the thing I wanted to get to was, and the calculation I think Labour have made, and, and it's a calculation we've seen from other people, and I've been critical of in the past, and I'm going to be critical of again, 
is the fact that Labour have probably decided that actually rowing back and not committing to something and not have a target on themselves prior to the election is better than actually being aspirational. And that really, really, really worries me and it really upsets me and it, and it makes me fearful for the future because we're going to get to that point, that American state to a, a certain extent where everything is, 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 is particularly vanilla because everything you say that looks like it has positive benefits for a, a portion of the population is just being gunned down by the other side. And, you know, it's the same reason why... Johnson made the decision that there was no point doing the TV debates and no point being interviewed before the next election because in reality the outrage that people like me felt when he wouldn't actually be scrutinised um, was was the lesser of two evils because the, the worst case scenario is he is scrutinised and he says something stupid and it backfires for him and they lose more votes and that's I can, whilst in, in some respects I just see that for what it is with somebody like Johnson, I'm concerned that somebody who has an opportunity to be aspirational is choosing not to because the danger is that that aspiration just becomes something to, that's going to be used against um, used against them. I mean, look, there's an argument, I get it from the Labour perspective, that all they have to do between now and the election is is just literally make the targets as small as possible. So actually, leaving the government to to throw itself, you know, to finally throw itself completely under the bus is probably the easiest thing to do. You don't have to stand for something because you won't be winning an election. It's just the Conservatives will be losing one. And I get all of that. I get all of that. But at a time when you want a bit of hope and you want a bit of something to look forward to and you want, as I say, that aspiration for the future, the political situation we're in, the way we're playing our politics these days means you're just not going to get it. Friday. I think I've ended up a little bit more erudite than I was expecting, to be honest. Um, the reason why I said what I said at the beginning about it pertains to being a bit meh is because... I'm feeling a bit meh. Uh, I'm feeling a bit February meh. And, and it struck me today, I've not set foot out of the house today. Uh, and that's not for any other reason than I didn't run today. I'm not walking because I'm still struggling with Mavaruka, um, which means that walking is um, painful. Running's painful, but I, I'm not going to not run. So the walking, which stopped about sort of three or four months ago, hasn't hasn't started again, or two or three months ago hasn't started again. So I've not been out, and it's just cold and wet and horrible. And we're in that hour before the dawn thing. We're in that point of we're close to it, it, it being warmer and it being nicer and it being that. And I know I talked about this a lot last year, and I seem to be suffering from the same thing. Um, you know, on an annual basis now, that this part of the year, I just find hard work. And because I'm not even getting any fresh air for a walk, then I'm actually cocooning myself away, which is what I've done to a certain extent today. I've sat and watched television for a couple of hours, kind of in a, in a cocoon-like state, but it's not doing me any favours. So I need to find a way of breaking breaking out from this and, and pushing myself to do something a little bit more positive because I've got a few weeks to get through before it will start to feel like, you know, it's it's lighter later and it's a little bit warmer and it's a little bit more 
kind of inducive of you wanting to just you know go and sit outside with a with with a coffee and a book which is exactly where we we aren't at the moment um and i've found it difficult the last few weeks to read so i've been i've kind of gone a bit sort of slumped in front of the telly and i know i know actually that doesn't help me in the long term so it's just that kind of week this week um i've been relatively productive i've got through quite a lot of stuff from a work perspective, I've come to the end of the week having achieved things, but not having felt like I've achieved enough to give me any form of a buzz. I feel like a treading water kind of week, even though stuff's happened. As much has come along um, that I'm I'm now considering, and I've I've got to work my way through. Then I've actually managed to work through. So if if you if you started the week with the you know the, the kind of the, the 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 sort of the two piles of paper. Um, anecdotally speaking, at either side of the desk, and you've passed from the in to the out tray. I've, I've, I'm, I'm exactly the same point I was at the start of the the week to the end. So it's it's probably affected why I'm just feeling like that. Really, um, it, am I sad? I don't think I don't necessarily think I'm sad. I'm just, I suppose, treading water is the best sort of way of. Of, of putting it I can't think of, of of another way so that's why I thought this week might be a little bit mm. and as I say what with the political stuff what with everything that's been going on I've not seen anything that's just that's just pushed me enough over the edge uh, with the with the theatre trip being the one thing that now seems a couple of days away that was a bit of a high point but we seem to have moved on from there so sorry really I, I've not I've not I've not raised you at all this week I, I'm not giving you anything to you know, I've not given you anything to to get ranty about, or I've not necessarily given you anything to get get sort of excited about. It's just all a bit kind of, you know, I've I've I'm kind of bringing you down to my level really, which isn't isn't the best. Uh, so do you know what? If you've got this, if you've got this far, forget everything I've just said. Forget everything I've just said. Don't worry about it. Go and do something positive. I'll try and sort myself out, and I'll speak to you next week. <laughs> if you've enjoyed therapy for me then please subscribe and share as you see fit this has been an a short stories production